Good morning. And those of you online, thanks for joining us. So uh, the book of Ephesians is, and it's like a number of the epistles or letters that Paul has written. Uh, the first few chapters are, pre, are descriptive. They basically just say, this is, you know, it's what's happening. This is theology. This is important things that we should know. And then he gets into the last few chapters, and those are prescriptive, or those are, you know, this is what you should do, where the rubber meets the road. And so what's interesting about the book of Ephesians, we've been talking about the prescriptive, and he said, put off the old way of life, put on the new way of life, renew your mind, change your mind. And then last weekend we talked about what does it mean to be, to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to uh, keep in step with the spirit? And essentially, I think what he's saying is, there are certain things you're not gonna be able to do in your own power, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do these things. So you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do some of the things we're gonna talk about. Now, the verse that we're going to look at, we're going to start at uh, Ephesians 5, verse 21. And there's one verse there that really sets the tone, really, for the rest of the book, I think. And it, the verse says this, submit yourselves one to another. It's Ephesians uh, 5, 21. Submit yourselves one to another. Now, there's two things that are really important that Paul has set up. He's going to talk about relationships now. He's going to talk about a husband and wife relationship. That's what we're going to look at this weekend. Next week, he's going to talk about husband or parent-child relationships and in the following week I believe he's going to talk about as a workplace the boss the employee the employer uh, relationship now for every one of those relationships I think what he's saying as a follower of Jesus Christ is you as a Christian need to bring a submissive humble attitude and you can't have that attitude unless you have the Holy Spirit helping you and I don't know about you but that only comes in my life when I allow the Holy Spirit to drive, to be in charge of where I'm going and my attitude and things like that. So he's already, he's teed it up for us. Let's jump into the passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and let's see what Paul has to say to us this morning. So verse, verse 5, let me get my thing here. Come on, come on. There we go. That wasn't so hard. So what does he say? Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So I want to just talk about two words in this, in this passage. The first one is submit. First, in verse 21, he says, submit one to another. We're to submit to one another, right? Essentially, so that's kind of, that sets the bar for every one of these relationships, what we're going to talk about. And then he says, submit. So, so the question is, what does it mean to submit? So I want to ask, what does it mean to submit? And really, what, is, what does it mean to love? 
because those are really the two things that, that we're commanded to do. And before you check out and say, okay, I'm not married, time to check and see if I've got you know, any messages or Facebook or whatever. Don't do that because this is true for every relationship that you're in. Your relationships will be drastically different if you apply these principles that we're gonna look at. So what does it mean to submit? Well, the Bible says in verse 21, we're to submit one to another. If you want the gold standard, if you want to know what does that ultimately look like, write this reference down. It'll be up on the screen. Look what it says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, it's not talking about a marriage relationship, not talking about a parent-child relationship, but it could it could apply to that. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to, to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so... If you want to know how far or why or when should I submit, here's your standard. Because he submitted and gave his life to a world that was turning their backs on him. They didn't deserve it. They didn't have it coming. They weren't good. They weren't nice. They were executing him. He died as a criminal. He died on the electric chair. He got the, the needle injection, okay? This is what it did. He died in shame, for you and for me. And so if you say, how far should I submit? Should it matter what the person is that I'm submitting to? Do they do, what if they don't deserve it? Well, I didn't deserve it, and I'm glad Jesus didn't say, you know what, I'm going to wait until Matt really deserves for me to give my life. Because it would never come. It would have never come. So submission can't possibly be a sign of inferiority, right? Can we agree with that? That if God, Jesus, who is God, would submit himself and come into his own creation and be executed on a cruel criminal's cross, can we, can we agree that if, if Jesus was willing to submit himself to the point of death, that that, that that is not a sign of weakness or inferiority? Okay? So... Why do we have such a hard time with it? Why do we have such a hard time with it? See, when we submit our lives to others, what we're doing is we're really ultimately submitting our lives to, to, to our Lord, our Savior. That's what it comes down to. Well, let's get to the one that's prickly. Wives are called to submit uh, and respect their husbands. Now, up to this place, we're, we're tracking. We don't want to do it, but we know we should, right? But now we're getting into a marriage relationship, and now we're getting to the point of, of this, this word submission. Wives are to submit. And I don't know how many husbands don't know any th verses in the Bible. They can't quote the Bible to save their lives. They don't know anything about the Bible, but they happen to know Ephesians 5.22, and they know it by heart. <laughs> and they let you know as a pastor when you're counseling, they know that verse. That's a bad thing when they do that. So it says, wives are called to submit them, them to their own husbands. Now notice what it says. It's there to submit to their own husbands. This is not a blanket. Uh, women are to submit to men. That's not what he's saying here. That's not what this passage is teaching. It's not saying that all women are to submit to all men. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that wives are to submit to their own husbands. 
But even then, when you look at the passage, it's very interesting because when you look at verse 522, your English translation says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, or something similar to that. Here's what the actual Greek says, very literally. Wives to their own husbands as to the Lord. Yeah, the word submission's not even in there. It's assumed from verse 21 and of course, I think the English should have the word submission. And whenever you go from one language to another, you have to add words. It's just makes, to make sense of the translation. But the actual word hupotasso is not even in verse 22. And we, we hammer it. We hammer that word. Well, it's assumed there. But, but again, verse 21 is very clear. Submit one to another. It's reciprocal. It's everyone for every relationship. We want to pick this one thing up. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, I find it interesting uh, that, it, go to the last part, go, go to verse 33 for a minute, because, so in, just in the broad spec, I didn't read the whole end of the chapter, but essentially what Paul says, is, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So he always ties it to Jesus, always ties it to Jesus. So what are the two things? Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. So Paul gives a summary statement in verse 33. Look at what he says. It's very interesting. He says, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. He's talking to husbands here. Well, he's just, he's just saying the same thing he's just said, right? And then he says, and the wife must... Respect her husband. That's a different word. It's a different word. Now, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think that the, the two, two, I've done a lot of counseling over the years, and here's what I found. The one thing that a man needs to know from his husband, from his wife, a husband needs to know from his wife, is that his wife respects him. And I'll tell you what, I've been in a number of situations where uh, I've heard wives talk about their husband when he's not around, and it's terrible, it's awful, and you know there's problems in the marriage. It, it's just, it's not right, and a man needs to be respected, and when a wife shows respect to her husband, and that's a very powerful thing. Here's the other thing. I've sat down, I've counseled, and I do, uh, do, when I do pre-marriage counseling, I always try to have this moment with a couple, and I always will say to the bride-to-be, and I'll say, I'm going to tell you exactly what you want for your from your husband. And I'll look at the, the, the bride-to-be, and I'll say, you want this guy here to love you more than anyone or anything, to always be in your corner, to always have your back, and to be willing to just serve and, and, and show you he, he loves you. And there's nobody and nothing on this planet that's more important than you. I haven't had one person say, no, that's not really what I want. <laughs> Many times tears come down. See, the one thing a wife needs to know is that you're committed to her. Not to sports, not to hobbies, not to your job, not to all these other things, but to her. And what, what a husband needs to know is that you respect him. 
Now, we need, we need to unpack that a little bit because it's really important. Because I know there's going to be pushback here. And the pushback is whenever you hear this whole submission thing, you say, but what about a wife who's in a physical or emotionally abusive relationship? Well, you just answered your question because ultimately it says, you know, wives, uh, you submit to your husbands as to the Lord, but it says also husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you are in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship, that it, you just stepped off of the, 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 the scriptural prescription here. You should never stay in a relationship where there's physical or emotional abuse. You should get help. You should get counseling. Maybe you need to separate. I don't know. But ultimately, God never tells you to stay in an abusive relationship. Here's another pushback. Must a wife submit to every whim of her husband? That's, that's one I hear because they say, well, he's so, supposed to be the leader. And he, he, and he you know, and, and so, but does this mean that the husband has carte blanche over the wife? Every decision in the family, and I've counseled those, and I've cringed sometimes when, when the husband is, and he's not leading well. He's not leading out of love. He's not leading out of serving. He's not leading out of submitting one to another. He's not leading out of this, this attitude of servanthood that we read about in Philippians, but he's kind of leading as a dictatorial, I get everything I want, you get nothing. And all I want to say is... Um, I think a husband leads out of love. That's the way God intended it. So one more pushback. What if, what if the wife is a gifted leader? What if the wife is a gifted leader? I, I think marriages are meant to be partnerships. I think you see that all through scripture. That healthy marriages assume that each person brings complementary gifts and talents and abilities to a marriage and you're a foolish if you don't it, it, listen I have a ton of weak spots just ask Carol she, she's got a list there's another <laughs> no I mean come on let's let's be honest we all have weak spots right we all have blind spots there's all things that we're not as good at and you are foolish if you're married and you're not using the gifts and abilities that the other person has because together you're better and in a marriage it's a partnership and sometimes you defer things to the other person because they're just better at it and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because you don't, not, none of us brings every skill and every ability to the table. And that's why God put us together to complement one another. It was never meant to be a dictatorship. It was always meant to be a complementary guiding leadership. Now, I think there's accountability we'll talk about in a minute. All right, so, so that, there it is. So we have to submit. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, right? And I think you do that when you show respect. But there's another kind of submitting. It's, it, the Bible tells us that we're, as Christians, called to submit to the governing authorities. Uh, look at this verse, Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have, to, have been established by God. Christians, you're called to pay your taxes, pray for, be good citizens, and honor those in authority over you. Whether it's local, whether it's state, whether it's national, doesn't matter. That's your job as a Christian. Whether they belong to your party or not belong to your party, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, where you think they're a good leader or not a good leader, it doesn't matter. You still have to pay your taxes. You still have to be a good citizen. You still have to honor them because they hold the office, and you still have to pray for them. That's not a, that's not, I know it's debated on Facebook, but it's not debated in God's word. God has placed them in authority. 
and you have a responsibility to pray for them. And you say, well, what if they're not honorable? I think the life group notes go back into Daniel today. Daniel lived in the kingdom of Babylon. He was taken as a slave into Babylon. And he had had this king that he had to honor and respect. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was like a piece of dynamite ready to go off. I mean, every little thing, and he would just blow up. At one time, uh, David showed deference, uh, Daniel, excuse me, showed deference to Nebuchadnezzar. He, he showed respect to him. He, he honored him, even though, and he's in Babylon, okay? He's in Babylon. It is a dark place spiritually. It's much darker than any place on this world today. Well, maybe not on the world today, but certainly darker than America. Think about Paul in Rome. Nero, are you kidding me? Good leader, respectful? No. But Paul, Paul prayed for Nero. Paul showed deference. Um, but here's the thing. We're not called to blindly submit to our leaders. Not blindly. Wives are not blindly called to follow their husbands, particularly when there's, uh, when there, there's abuse or they're asked to compromise their faith. You're not called to follow uh, your husband if he's leading or wants to uh, cause you to compromise your faith. Um, remember the book of Daniel. There was a point where Daniel was, uh, the, the other leaders around Nebuchadnezzar basically set Daniel up and ultimately it came to a point where Daniel was either going to kneel down and bow to the gods of Babylon or bow to his God. And he says, you know, out of respect, I, I will not, I, I can't for God. I, God, I can only bow down to God. I will not bow down, down, down to these idols. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar threw him in a lion's den. You can read about that story. What's so interesting, I don't have time to go into it, but Nebuchadnezzar, he couldn't sleep that night. He was awake all night long. And finally, early in the morning, he runs down to the lion's den and he says, Daniel, Daniel, and I'm I'm not going to get it quoted perfectly, but it's something like this. Daniel, Daniel, has the God whom you continually serve preserved you? Are you still alive? Daniel says, yeah, fine. We chilled. (laughs) but what I want you to see is that that Daniel had an influence on a pagan king but he didn't bow to the gods of the pagan king he drew a line no matter what you think of the leadership over our country right now you as a Christian have a responsibility Uh, look at Peter uh, and John so Peter and John uh, in the book of Acts, they're out preaching the gospel. They get called in by the religious leaders, and they're basically the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, they say, you gotta stop, just knock it off. And this is what they said, this is uh, Acts 4, verse 18. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help but speaking what we have seen and heard. You see, no king, no government, no husband can take the place of God. You should never follow leadership blindly. You must follow it biblically, though. We in America think if we don't like it, we don't have to obey. We don't have to follow. We don't have to show respect. I don't know where you get that from. Not from the Bible. 
There are times where you're going to have to tap out. You're going to have to do what's right. But I don't find those times as much as some other people do. Here's one. This is at the bottom of the, bottom of the list. Christians are called to submit to church leaders. <laughs> I laugh because it's funny. Um, Hebrews, look at what Hebrews 13, 17 says. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. I tell you what, one thing I see in America is Americans are in love with the freedom to do whatever you want. And if I've, and I said this to the staff this week, I said one of the things that I'm so disappointed that I haven't been able to do a better job in the, over the last 22-ish years that I've been here, probably in my whole ministry, is I haven't, I haven't been able to help people see that they need to submit and be part of a local assembly. They see it as optional. They, get, they don't like it. And we, what we do is we bring, we bring this consumer mentality. What, what can the church do for me? What programs do you have? What can you do for me? What do you have? What can I do? And, and if something gets said, something gets done, they get their feathers ruffled, they go somewhere else, but they were never really here. They never really used their time, talent, and treasure. They never plugged in. They never used their gifts. They never became part of the local bride, the local assembly, the local church. Hey, you know what I see in Scripture? The, the, the word ecclesia is used once in the whole New Testament, and it's only used once universally. We love to use the word universally because that means we don't have to be connected anywhere as long as we're connected universally. It's just me and Jesus in this universal church. But I want to tell you, the only time that word is used universally is where Jesus says to Peter, "You, I will call you rock, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. Every other time, book of Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Philippi, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Rome, he's writing to local churches. He's writing to the brides that are all over the world. And we have multiple Christians who especially in America, who say, I'm an American, and I may be a Christian, and I, but I don't know if I want to connect to a local assembly. You can say that. You get the American culture, but you don't get the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you connect to a local assembly. And I just want to say to you, you have some great leaders. You have a great elder board that are humble and praying and trying to lead through a challenging time. And we've had people who just say, I'm just mad about this. I'm mad about that. And I'm leaving and just saying, all right, whatever. That's the American culture. I get it. But I, when I see that, I, I, I chuckle because it's like, that is like one of the last things that people feel compelled to do. They want to say, wife, you have to submit to me. But I'm not going to submit to the government, and I'm not going to submit to the local church. So you, you see what I'm saying? We're playing fast and loose with this whole idea of submission. My question is, have you ever submitted to a local assembly? 
All right, let me just summarize here. We're called to submit to one another. For the wife, that means honoring and submitting to him, her own husband. Uh, For the husband, it means love as Christ loved the church. Uh, That means praying and honoring those who govern over us. For the local Christian, that means committing and submitting to the local church leaders. Um, Submission's not an option. It's standard operating procedure. And by the way, this goes to every relationship that you're in. Uh, I'll say this really quickly. Um, in America, the American culture says this, to, I, you should want to be free and do whatever you want, whenever you want, and as long as you don't hurt other people. But they don't think about it because just about everything that you want to do selfishly will hurt somebody. But that being said, they, the idea is you could be, to be free, you can do whatever you want. And I want to just tell you that. You can do that, but you will be all alone. What the Bible teaches is this. The more that you're willing to submit your life to another person, the more you're going to be vulnerable, the more you're going to be accountable, the more you're going to open up, the deeper you go in a relationship with another person. That's how you go deeper in a relationship. You don't do it by being free and being unattached and being untransparent. You go deeper. As you go more transparent and more accountable and deeper in relationships, whether it's a husband-child, husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship, just a friendship if you want to be free you can be free but you'll be alone if you want to have deep relationships you will submit you will humble yourself marriage is a humbling relationship and if you're not humbling yourself you're probably not married very long I mean I, I've been it's gonna be like next year I think it's gonna be 40 years for Carol and me you know what I know something last week I acted like a complete idiot I'm going when am I gonna learn and it was, it was humility, lack of humility. All right, we need to move on. <laughs> All right, so, the, so submit, what does it mean, right? We kind of have a bigger picture of submission, right? Love. Husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Um, all right, it's not an emotion. Love is not an emotion, okay? Um, but it's always a sacrifice. If you love somebody, you, if you lo- love your kids, you sacrifice left and right all the time. Uh, love isn't a feeling. Um, uh, it's not an emotion. Oh, I, I jumped ahead. Hang on a minute. I want to get this. So it's not an emotion. It's an act of the will. You shouldn't love something to get someone to, to get something um, you don't love only when you feel like it. By the way, if you're a parent, you get that, right? Right? <laughs> Johnny, I feel like, yeah, right now, but I'm going to love you. I'm, I'm not going to allow my emotions to direct me right now. I'm going to choose to do the right thing and be calm and considerate and cool with you even though I'm raging inside. Right? That's love. We get that with kids, but we don't get it with relationships, right? We have a hard time putting that into marriage relationship. It's the same thing. Because we've been told, oh, you just have a, you'll know in your heart. Bless you. (laughs) And by the way, you don't love because, for, or when. You just love, period. You choose to love. 
It doesn't say Jesus loved you because he loved you for, he loved you when. He just says he loved you, period. He loved the unlovely. Here's what, here's what I think. If two married people choose to sacrificially serve one another, they will have an incredible marriage. But you have to humble yourself. You have to serve each other. If they choose, conversely, to be selfish, that marriage will never thrive and oftentimes it will fail. If it's about you and the marriage, it ain't gonna last very long and it's never gonna go deep. But if you're willing to submit to one another, you're willing to sacrifice one another, if you're willing to do that, it has incredible potential. Incredible potential. All right, so now I wanna push back on a few common myths that we have about marriage. One of the common myths that we have in America, and not just in America, we have this in Christian America, in, Christ, in, in the Christian church, and here it is. God has preordained the right person for you to marry. He or she is out there, and your job is to marry them. You heard that, right? A lot of Christians believe that. Let's, let's just unpack that for a minute. Let's just say, like I said, Carol and I will be married, I think it's, well, we've been married for 30, she says 30-ish years, okay? Because she doesn't want to, well, anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Too many thoughts going on up here right now. All right, but let's just say that I say, okay, Carol's the one that God has ordained me to marry, right? And so Carol and I get married, and the Lord goes, uh, Matt, yeah, yeah, it wasn't Carol. <laughs> but I like Carol. No, nah, it wasn't her. It wasn't her. <laughs> okay, what, what have I just done, all right? If, if she's not God's ordained person for me, I've married the wrong person. Some of you got there already, didn't you? Not only that, Carol married the wrong person. Not only that, there's somebody out there that I should be married to that I'm not married to. And there's somebody that should be married to Carol that's not married to Carol. So we've messed it up for a whole bunch of people. Dominoes are falling all over the place. We got major problems here if that is true. But it's not true. And it's not taught in the scripture. Listen, here's what I think. I think that you should, you should carefully sit down with a person that you're considering marrying. Find out whether you're compatible. Uh, find out if you share values, especially religious values. What's your view of money? What's your view of the family? What's your view of, of you know, how parents are gonna be involved in all those different things? Sit down and have that. Get it, do some marriage counseling. Absolutely critical for that. But... Let's get away from this storybook, Prince Charming is out there. Because here's the thing, the moment that you say, here, here's the thing, the moment that I said I do to Carol and she said I do to me, she became the right person. She became God's ordained person in my life. And my job is just to live that out. And her job is to too. And sometimes I make it harder for her, but that's, that's her burden to bear. 
All right, so one other pushback. How is the husband to be the head of the wife? Because some have taken this passage to mean husbands are to lead in all things and wives must just adapt and they must follow the whims of their husbands in obedience. Um, that, but, but as we've already seen, husbands are called to lead by loving, right? And remember the example of Jesus in the church. Good marriages are partnership. And, you know, I think this is really important. I think that if you don't understand that there are gifts and abilities that your wife or your husband, you know, if you don't understand that and you don't work as a partnership, you're kind of foolish. I think when you humble yourself and you think that somebody, you know somebody's better at something, you you say, hey, why don't you take this and we'll work together on this. Hey, why don't you take this? Because you're stronger together. Now, here's, here's where I think you say, well, you're pretty weak on headship. No, I'm not. Because I think ultimately one day husbands are going to stand before God and give an account for what went on in the family, what went on in the marriage. I think in the same way that a general is held for all the, all the soldiers under this general, I think that general is held accountable for, for that, for, the, for, that for, his, for his, his soldiers. In the same way, I think the husband's going to be held accountable for what happens in the marriage and what happens in the family. Uh, I just, I, that's a personal belief. I think that's taught in scripture, but I'm not gonna fight over it. But I take it very seriously. Let's just review quickly. Where to submit to one another. That's a given. Every relationship that you're in, you need to submit. You need to humble yourself. You want an example? Philippians 2. Wives, you're to submit to your husbands even if they don't deserve it. You do it as to the Lord. You're not really submitting to your husband. You're really submitting to the Lord. Husbands, you're to love your wives by serving her. Uh, and if you're not following the example of Jesus, why would you expect that she should follow you? Should follow you? Uh, I've always said this. Show me a husband that loves his wife like Christ loves the church, and I'll show you a wife that has all the reasons in the world and, and probably will have the desire to submit and show respect for her husband. So whether you're in a marriage or whether you're in other relationships, there's something for you today that God wants to do in your heart. And I pray that you allow the Spirit of God to take the Word of God to your heart and that you will be a different person in your relationships because you've heard these two words, submit and love. Stand with me as we close our time. And so, Father, we thank you for the folks gathered in this place and those online. And we thank you for the instruction of your word. We would ask, Father, that you would help the marriages uh, that are represented in this room and online. We pray that we could pray for the other person in the marriage, but we need to pray for us. That we would have the right attitude, that we would humble ourselves, that we would play the role that you've called us to play that you would help us to uh, be the, the husband or the wife that we need to be, that we would submit to the authority, the governmental authorities around us, and we would pray for them, that we would be good citizens. And as the, maybe our society gets darker, the light of the gospel would shine in the way that we're different from the rest, that though we disagree, we can be agreeable, and we can be civil, and we could pray, that, Father, we pray that uh, we would find a local assembly and that we would be committed to it, that we would use our gifts and our abilities there 
for your glory because it is your bride, your church. But Father, most of all, we pray that you would help us to see the example of Jesus, that he doesn't ask us to do something that he has never done. He asks us to follow his example, something he has already done for us. And Father, we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.